You're listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. John Banks is a great mate. He stood by me thick and thin, and I've stood by him. He's a true friend who I've known since I was a boy in shorts. He's also one of the most compassionate politicians I've ever met. He joins me now. Welcome to The Crunch. Hello, Whale. Can you hear me? I can, uh, Banksy. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. I thought I'd give you a call and uh, let's have a chat about this exciting election and uh, your thoughts and processes, having been a, a former member of the ACT Party and, of course, in a caucus uh, sitting with Winston Peters. And we'll just talk about the results, where it's going to head and what you think is going to happen. Well, um, it's been a glad three weeks. It's been a celebration of common sense common ground and a good outcome for the people of New Zealand. This was a very, very bad Labor government. In fact, an evil Labor government, uh, Marxist to the core. Uh, the elites were being developed. They were being built. They were being rewarded. The pippy pipes were full of bludges, sucking off the public tit, and the rest of us just had to uh, suck it and see. And we did. We had an election. Fortunately, we still have elections in this country. Well, we had an election uh, and the Labor Party got rogered and uh, appropriately so, uh, painfully so, because they deserve everything they get. They were a rotten outfit. They've taken this country to the brink of destitution. uh, And now there's going to be a long, long way back. It'll be a long reckoning, too, because I don't think we've finished uh, dealing to the Labour Party for all of the excesses that they have done over the last six years. You know, I was talking to Michael Bassett before the election, and you know, a finer gentleman you'll, you'll never meet. And I questioned him, you know, being a political historian, on whether or not, you know, how did he rate this government? And he said it's the worst in his lifetime, and he's 85 years old. Yes, I know Michael Bassett well. He's a great mate of mine. He's an outstanding New Zealander. He he is a true patriot and he's one of our greatest, if not our greatest living historian. And uh, he would have a good handle uh, on this. Uh, I'm pretty angry, uh, really, Whale, at where the country is. Uh, Just let let me give you one matrix. And that is Mm. we've gone from a $60 billion debt to $160 billion debt in four years. Now, the future of this country and the future discussions we should be having publicly and in cabinet and in government is about the economy, all about people's standards of living, uh, hope to be able to pay the bills, the mortgage, have a future, educate their kids, pay our way in the world. Unfortunately, uh, we're tracking right now uh, to third world, uh, without a doubt, uh, on all the metrics, and uh, it is very bad. Uh, These people, some of these people should be in jail, should be in jail. What they've done to the country is criminal. Well, the economic vandals, I mean, Grant Robertson uh, has presided over an economic decline that makes, you know, the things that uh, your good friend Rob Muldoon did pale into insignificance, but at least with Rob Muldoon's debt that we had, we actually built things. 
with it. You know, we've we've got the Clyde oh, Dam, yeah. we've got Motunui, we had Marston Point. These economic vandals have have pretty much closed all of that down, apart from you know the dams. Well, it's interesting because I was in a Rob Muldoon government when we were talking about all of those big projects. Uh, I was there when we had pickets and uh, rioting uh, on the picket line at Marsden Point when we built that extension. And I'm still alive today, uh, bless the Lord, uh, to see it closed down. Uh, when I say that, uh, I'm very annoyed that we have closed it down, but it seems like time flies. But uh, I was thinking, Whale... Of the seven prime ministers I've worked with and for, this is going to shock you. Helen Clark, by far, was the most competent. I, I agree with you. you know, I didn't like her politics, but she was exceptionally no. competent. And she had the Maori in their right place. Uh, she would have never allowed the incremental Maorification and racial division that has been built so well and fortified in this country these last six years. Helen Clark would never have allowed that. And Michael Cullen, uh, now not with us, of course, sadly, but Michael Cullen was very competent around the books. He knew the books. And they kept the books in pretty good shape, Whale, compared yeah. to $60 billion four years ago to $160 billion in debt most of it, whale, most of the debt to Beijing. Now, it's, if they had another term, if the people of New Zealand were stupid enough and they're not to give them another term, uh, we would have been owned by Beijing. That's the thing that's always worried me, and it concerned me too with the National Party uh, under John Key. There seemed to be this groveling towards Beijing. And... Uh, you know, we were told that these free trade deals were going to be do wonders for New Zealand, that we were going to have all these amazing things happen by signing up to these deals with Beijing. But but at the same time, we were kind of like handing over our, our foreign policy to, to Chinese interests. Uh, we were beggaring ourselves to the Chinese, and it was very short-sighted, uh, I felt, crawling to, up to the Chinese. I mean, you know, you you were in the National Party for a long time, just like I was. I, I can well remember uh, senior National Party MPs, ministers in, included, and senior office holders like my dad, who was, uh, you know, the Auckland Regional Chair and then the, the President, uh, attending the Taiwanese National Day and celebrations uh, with the Kuomintang. They were, of course, in, in the IDU, International Democratic Union, together. Under John Key, that was all abandoned as we crawled uh, basically up Beijing's backside. And I, I just could never countenance abandoning a democratic country like Taiwan uh, to suck up to a communist dictatorship. Well, well, it's worse than that, Wow, We've abandoned our sovereignty. Mm. You cannot have sovereignty when you have our level of debt. You know that. Yeah. We're not an we're not an independently minded country. Uh, we are a emerging third world country. Uh, we're a racist country. Uh, we're a, a deeply indebted company country. Uh, we're an inward looking country. Uh, we're a piss poor political country, uh, and we're a country in great strife. Now this brings me to the election. 
And um, I'm I'm going to give all the support in the world to Lux, uh, to Seymour and to Winston Peters, all the support in the world. uh, You know, as an old white man of no consequence, uh, I'm delighted to have this opportunity to tell you and your listeners that I'm going to give them all the goodwill and all the support in the world to stop this big ship Aotearoa from crashing on the rocks because it's bloody close. Yeah. It's very close, Whale, and then turn it around slowly. And, of course, it's 9 to 12 years, Whale. It's yeah. 9 to 12 years. And that is why Winston Peters is very important in this. Not because Winston Peters is Winston Peters, but because Winston Peters is going to add a lot of ballast to the big, light, blue ship national. Yeah. This is a National Party caucus that is uh, at least woke with a small W and worse, Fabian to the core. And so we've got to watch this very carefully. This is not an old-fashioned Tory, Keith Holyoke, National Party government that I was part of all of those years ago when I first stood for Parliament all of those years ago. This is a different animal because of the reckless experiment of MMP and the damage that that reckless experiment has wreaked on our country, Whale. Therein lies another challenge. So, Whale, there's challenges today on all fronts and more power to Lux, uh, to Seymour and to Winston to sort it out but, but look, it's not, it's not just the change of government I'm excited about. I'm not terribly excited about the change of government. What I am excited about as a patriot yes. is the change of direction that needs to take place and must take place on a broad front. And let me put this on the record today for you, Whale. Yeah. This war for the National Party the Act Party and New Zealand First in the Parliament, in our Parliament, won't be a war between them and the parliamentary opposition. It's going to be a war between the coalition government and the civil service. And the, and the civil service. Because and, the civil yeah. service is absolutely riddled with bad people, bad philosophy, bad concepts, bad principles and bad habits. Well, I mean, and then they're also assisted by a bad media that unquestionably, uh, you know, 95% left-wing or hard-left. There's only a very small smattering of conservatives, and even then there would be a small-C conservative, and that's, again, the National Party aren't even conservative anymore. They're left-wing, just slightly left-wing, but they're they're left-wing nonetheless. And that's the problem that we've well, got I in must, society. I, I must pick up a couple of things going through this wonderful opportunity to talk to you, Wales, and thank you for it. And that is um, Brooke Van Velden, mm. the face of the future of this country. Her politics are pure, uh, a good, hard-working woman. Uh, she represents everything I stand for and stand against, and uh, all power to Brooke Van Velden and good on her for what she's achieved. But look, it's going to take more than Brooke. 
It's going to take more than Winston. It's going to take more than Lux. It's going to take more than all of them. What it's going to take is a country that's prepared to brace itself for the full stop that needs to happen and the about turn that has to happen. That's what I'm worried about is that particularly the National Party won't have the courage to do that. And it's then therefore incumbent upon the ACT Party and New Zealand First to put that full stop at the end of the six years that we've just had and try and reverse this creeping socialism and racism that has seeped into New Zealand society, uh, along with, of course, the, the increasing crime which is which shows that the societal impacts of six years of labor are, are causing you know the the damage that's happened in society has led to the rise in crime now he used to be a police minister there was never this yeah. sort of nonsense when you were a police minister well uh, for all of my faults i was weak i wasn't gutless mm. i wasn't indecisive and i had the support of the commissioner of police uh, and the rank and file to sort out the shit that needed to be sought out at the appropriate time. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, gangsters running the country, uh, running the roads, the highways, running the drugs, uh, running the underground economy, and running the police racket. And it's got to stop. These are the kinds of things where we need a stop, a think, and an about turn, and march backwards to what we know works and being kind and generous uh, to gangsters has never worked and appeasement has never worked. It's worked to the extent that they all voted for the Labour Party, but that's all it's worked to the extent of. Uh, the rest hasn't. Now, we've got to round up these low life and uh, we've got to put them in jail. And uh, the other thing is we've got to turn around the judiciary. The judiciary is now loaded loaded with left-wing, woke, racist jurists. Wombles. Well, you know, they're all probably good human persons, and I'm not going to challenge them on that as a human person, but their philosophy, concepts, and principles are not in the best interest of this country. They're in the best interest of elitism, whale. Elitism. And, and, And elitism defaults to Marxism, well, well, that's right. And, and you know, you talk about um, the judges and, you know, we've had legislation in place that has tried to send a message that we want people incarcerated, we want them in jail, uh, we want them off the streets so that they're not committing crime in our streets. And the judges uh, go soft. They get a direction from the government or or they take it upon yeah. themselves to undermine, you know, like three strikes, for example, which was a fine piece of legislation, uh, which the judges set about uh, using uh, a, a very tiny wedge that was inserted into the legislation to undermine it. And it seems to me that well, what we need to do is instead of setting uh, maximum sentences for crimes, we should be setting minimum sentences for crimes that cannot be reduced by an activist judiciary. Well, let's, let's be innovative about law and order and crime. It's out of control in this country, as you know. Mm. It's out of control. And we're only going to deal with it uh, with uh, an intergenerational change. 
Now, when I go up to Mount Eden Jail and sit in a, a, a meeting with all the uh, prisoners up there, uh, yeah. nine out of ten are and Pacific Island. Uh, most of them can't read or write. Most of them have glutia. The vast majority of them have been raped as kids and sexually molested. Yeah. They've been treated as dogs that you tie to a tree and kick it as you walk past and then wonder why it bites you. So let's start with making jails work in the best interest of an intergenerational change that will stop uh, this treadmill, and that is education. If yeah. you're going into jail, you're going to have to get learn to at least read and write. You won't be released until you have a chaperone and somewhere to live and a job to go to and strict supervision and you won't be able to rejoin the game. And let's start bringing back some sensible things that are going to change, not in the short term. Well, this is not going to change in the short term, but in the next 25 years, we could see some change. It's a disgrace. It is a disgrace, the number of the Maori, the First Nations people and Pacific Islanders in New Zealand jails. It is so wrong. It is a disgrace. And we can only fix it through education and responsibility within the family. Don't continue to pay them all of the welfare that they need and want and ask for, plus all the food bank support that they need and want and ask for and get, yeah, and then well, expect them not to change their behaviour. You know, when pe people listen to you talk like that, um, Banksy, they just look at John Banks, the person they know now. Now, you've, you've had a, an upbringing that by all accounts, was dreadful. Uh, you've got every excuse in the world to have actually been a criminal, right, with your parents, the way you were brought up, all of those sorts of things, and yet you're not. So you are living proof that in New Zealand we have a richness of opportunity if only you'd grasp it yourself. Yes, I think I, I, think I was blessed to the extent that although I went to 16 different schools, you know, I, I, I had people that picked me up on the way that knew my mm. circumstances, uh, that embraced me as a human person and gave me a bit of an education and taught me the difference from right and wrong and sent me to Sunday school. And gave, uh, you, one of the gave, good you, things. And gave you a swift kick in the pants when you needed it. Well, yeah, when, when I needed it. But um, uh, most of the kids that I lived with went to jail and spent a long, long time in jail. And, and that's very sad. And, um, you know, um, but for the grace of God. So I know what it's like to live in poverty. Uh, I know what it's like to be abused uh, and assaulted. Uh, I, I, I know what it's like to piss the bed every night and get thrashed every morning. Um, I, I know what it's like. And it's not good. And it's yeah. not good. And these things contribute to many of the uh, crimes that we have in this country and the people that we have in jail. And if we think we're going to just continue doing what we've done for the last 25 years and expect change, it's not going to happen. Which brings me to another thing, well, if I can mention mm. to you. You go right Charter ahead. school. Charter that, school. That was one of the finest we, things you did as part of your coalition uh, negotiations. Well, let me just put it in simple terms. We had a charter school in Wangarei. And if you went to Wangarei Boys High School today and asked the principal, how many of the Maori boys are going to get school certificate this year? He'd say about 40%. If you went to my charter school in Wangarei and said, how many of the Maori boys are going to get 
school certificate this year, they'd say, well, last year we got 96% and we hope to get 100% this year. Why the hell did this bad, bad Labour government, erstwhile Labour government, abolish charter schools when they were working for the most vulnerable and the people that they were tailored for, mainly the Maori people? Well, we know the answer to that. It's pandering to the teacher unions. Well, uh, I'm, I want to talk about pandering for a moment, Whale, and uh, sure. uh, I don't like pandering. We've pandered to the media with our money for too long. The Marxists have bought the loyalty of the New Zealand media. The New Zealand media is riddled, riddled with journalistic corruption. Well, yeah, exactly. I and mean, look at the performance over just the last three or four days where we've had stuffed journalists writing articles that they were upset because Winston Peters wouldn't talk to them. Uh, you've had another stuffed journalist who wrote an article about the campaign launch for New Zealand First at Port Waikato, and the main thrust of the article was there was a lot of people with grey hair there and only one teenager, and, um, you know, it, it was just an attack piece. Uh, and then, of course, we had one news yesterday with their performance at the airport uh, offering to hold Winston Peters' briefcase for him uh, or his bag. You can just imagine what would have happened if it, Winston had been stupid enough to hand over uh, his bag and say, sure, you can carry it. You could just imagine it. On one news, you would have had that Simon Dallow on the TV going, oh, Winston Peters is so feeble he can't even carry his own bag. That's That's the dishonesty that exists within our New Zealand well, media well, today. You see, it's worse than that. I don't care what shit something called stuff writes. I don't know much about someone called stuff that writes shit. I'm not interested, but I'll tell you what I am interested in. Well, yeah. I'm interested in the millions, the millions of taxpayer money that the stuff get to run this shit. Well, maybe we need to have uh, a politician who start, you know, you, we had all this you know, with Black Lives Matter in, in the United States and calls to defund the police. What we really actually need to do is defund the media, take away the, that government funding oh, well, from well, them well, and all of the millions of dollars that they get put into them from the health ministry or from the, you know, I mean, the, hit, the, the police even run these nonsensical ads on the radio uh, telling people, to look again, look again. That's how insidious it is to protect motorcycle riders. Now, you're a motorcycle rider. You ride a Ducati, of all things, right? Yes. A very powerful motorbike. Who is responsible for making sure you're safe on the motorbike? Is it you or is it everyone around you? Yes. It's you, right? right? <laughs> but, but, you know, well, coming back to the major point here, the major point is that, Goebbels mm. was funded by the state uh, uh, handsomely, uh, and so were his uh, uh, propagandist handmaidens. Why in this democracy are we funding the news media, for God's sake? Why don't they leave it to those really bad, bad radio companies like uh, MediaWorks to spend their money, blow their money and run their shareholder cash into the ground. Why don't they leave it to that? Why am I, why is my hard-earned taxes that I paid a week or so ago at the end of October, why the hell is my taxes being used to fund, for instance, 
that dreadful shit paper called the New Zealand Herald. Mm. It used to be the paper of record, and it's just now. I mean, you, you could have used it a few years back to, you know, line uh, the kitty litter tray, but it's so thin now that you couldn't even use it to line a budgie cage. Well, I, of course, uh, you wouldn't respect me if I read it. I don't read it, but um, no, I neither do. I. I, I, my people tell me uh, that they're funded to the tune of about eight million a year. I, have I got this wrong? Well, I think you're right. I mean, there's all of this government money that's pouring into these media organisations, and of course, there's the 55 million plus and another 100 million as well that that nobody talks about that was poured into the media. Uh, over the last six years by this government, uh, that just all needs to stop. We need to actually have a moratorium on any sort of government advertising in the media. Now, if some of those media companies fall over, so be it. That's what happens in a market when you don't have enough revenue from multiple sources. And let them fall over because nature also abhors a vacuum. And and then what will happen is people will go out and start their own new media organisations uh, you know, the way they used to do when the media followed the rolling out of the railway or the telegraph uh, in the United States. You had individuals who go out and set up a pamphlet and then they get people to pay for that and then it grew into, a, into uh, you know, a newspaper, a local newspaper. That was then gobbled up by these global uh, conglomerates. I actually think we need to get away from these global conglomerates because it's not reflecting the, the man on the street and go back to these little individual news outlets that people can support uh, by subscribing because they like what they read. Well, that's right. That's right. I don't care how many newspapers are out there, if they call them newspapers or stuffs or any mm. other agencies. Websites or whatever, uh, yeah. But I'm not interested in funding them a while. And this is the change in direction that I'm talking about. Uh, what I want to say this morning, Whale, is that we live in a... For, for New Zealand in a very critical time in our history. Uh, why is it a critical time? Because we're broke yeah. in an uncertain world. Yeah, and defenceless. We're defenceless, we're broke, and we're witless, and we're leaderless in a very uncertain world. And we also live in, in a little speck of the of the world far away from anyone else. I mean, the closest neighbour to us is three hours away in a plane. So we are yep. literally at the ends of the earth and we are vulnerable and we are weak and we are ripe for the plucking. Right. So this is what Lux, Seymour and Winston have got to do. Yep. They've got to get out a mini budget before Christmas and it's got to be radical. It's got to be radical there's got to be a change of direction. The civil service have got to start doing as they're told. The civil service needs to be triangulated. The civil service needs to be restructured. The civil service needs new leadership right through their ranks. Let me take one, let me just take one civil service for you. Um, I'm told, for instance, that much more time is spent at civil aviation, that's CAA, Yep. The design of Maori lanyards to wear uh, persification cards for staff mm. and the SCON committee, the SCON committee at yep. Civil Aviation, then in safety 
out in the provinces of our commuter airlines. Now, that's what I'm told. So we've got to get priorities right, Whale. We've got to have quite a radical change of direction. But there's something quite smart that happened that I loved about this country. I went to a couple of meetings, ACT Party meetings. I went out to May Road Hall, where in 1978, I debated Arthur Faulkner and got a thrashing that I'll never forget. Mm. Arthur Faulkner was one of the great Labour parliamentarians, an ex-war soldier and a very good man. I was 26 years of age. I knew everything. I challenged him publicly for a public debate. He took up the challenge. We met at the May Road Hall. 450 people turned up, and he thrashed me for two and a half hours. And I'll never forget it. And anyway, so I went back to the May Road Hall. And it was an ACT Party campaign meeting two weeks before the election. It was full of ethnic Indian people. Now, they're hardworking, good people, ethnic Indian people. 25% of Roskilla's ethnic Indian. And they were talking. All they were interested in doing is what is the next government going to do to save our women and children from being bashed and stabbed in our dairies, our superettes, and our liquor stores? They were all the questions. And so I wasn't surprised when the hapless National Party candidate won the seat of Roskill because the people spoke. And I love to tell the story to you and your listeners, well, because the people spoke in electorates up and down the country, often from different policy perspectives, but from a position of what is this government going to do to make my life better, or at least safer in my dairy at 10 o'clock at night with my wife and kids asleep on the floor out the back? What is this government going to do to save our business from these marauding criminals that are coming in and beating us up and indeed stabbing us to death? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if you are a National Party candidate standing in Roskill or Mount Roskill or whatever iteration it has been since forever, you were really cannon fodder, and it was only in spectacular occurrences where the Labour Party had become tone deaf, had ignored the wishes of the people that you saw idiots like Gilbert Miles elected. Um, I don't know enough about Carlos Chung, but he, he clearly uh, was more popular than Michael Wood, whose sole claim to fame before entering politics was that he worked for Hugh Wright's measuring the inside seam of uh, of men's suits. Uh, it doesn't really qualify him to be a cabinet minister, but yes, there he was. So you're absolutely right. When the uh, electorate is ignored, the general population is ignored, that they feel that the government is not listening to them, then you get these upsets. But your wish for a, a mini budget, I think we need to be careful too around that because you're a person of faith, as I'm a person of faith. You know, there's a sometimes an unholy uh, desire in New Zealand society to bash beneficiaries. Now, Matthew 2440 says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And there, you know, Jesus Christ is telling us to look after the less fortunate. But we have got a problem in society where welfareism has got moved from a safety net to a trampoline. And there's a lot of people out there that are, and you alluded to it earlier on, you know, when we were talking, 
where you said their every want and need met, and and then they get more on top of that. And the hardworking Kiwi, the guy who's running the dairy or uh, the guy who delivers the bread and the milk to the dairy, they're getting a rough ride. And they're getting the predations of the criminal classes against them at the same time. And they're paying for the privilege of a whole lot of people who could work, who should be working, and aren't working. But yes. We, but we I, need I, to have that I compassion, think... don't we? And and that's the thing I've learned from you, Banksy, over the years, you know, that the personal part of politicians that many people don't see, you know, and I'll always remember that day when you visited my mother in the hospice and did an amazing, compassionate thing. Now, people don't see that from John Banks. They only see the rhetorics. And I'd love people to see that more of that John Banks that I know. Well, thank you very much. Uh, God bless your mother. Wow, she was she was a great, great woman. Um, but it's true. You know, um, I, I, look, I... I I don't sing it from the hilltops, but I support a lot of people. I'm an AA, uh, an alcohol counsellor, have been for 40 years. Yes. I spent a lot of time working with sick people. Um, but, um, you know, you've got to do your bit. Um, I, I might just tell you in passing, uh, Whale, that mm. the greatest thing you can do for someone is give someone something that they'll never be able to repay you for. Yes. And um, I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer in kindness and compassion. But I'll tell you what, I don't like bloody radio stations that are peddling BS yeah. with my money. That is worse than someone ripping off the welfare system. Twins is, is a radio station that masquerades as an honest uh, third-party observer of all things good and bad in the country and then writes propaganda uh, and uh, and from the from the mouths of the government that have been funding them for so long from the pippy pipe that they so love. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, and that's exactly, why Reality Check exactly. Radio was formed because we needed to have the reasonable voice, that ability to have courageous discussions, to confront the issues that need to be confronted, to discuss in a rational way without getting. Uh, overly aggressive and emotional. I mean, I, I listen to other radio stations and, and interviews that are held with politicians, and it seems there's this combative nature where it's us or them, and we're going to get you. And it it doesn't. It's unedifying. It doesn't educate people. I mean, you've spent a lot of time on radio. You know, you took over from from Rob Muldoon, and you ran a show there. You you've been on multiple radio stations. Always your interviews were, uh, you know, a lot like mine, where you let, had a conversation with people and let them talk. And it seems that in New Zealand society, we've lost the ability to talk. We can disagree, you know, like I, I don't agree with Helen Clark, but I'm sure I could have a good discussion with her. I don't see eye to eye with Chris Trotter, but a finer man you've never met. And we've got this ability to have a discussion. But society in general has has forgotten that ability to have a discussion, and I think oh, we well, need to practice well, it well, more often. True, true, Whale. Whale, we've become a lost people. Mm. We've become a lost people, Whale. Uh, the people are lost. This country is lost. It's rudderless. It's directionless. 
it's going nowhere except more into debt to Beijing. Uh, and uh, we've got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Look, I'm just an old white man whose days now are counted. But I do still care about this country, Wales. Yeah. And I still have a measure of hope for this country because I want it good for my kids and my grandkids yet born. And so we've got to give it our best shot. We can't just abandon it. And so the change of government, you know, we celebrate. Yes, I celebrated it for about 24 hours, Yeah. especially seeing some of those people being thrown onto the scrap heap. I love that. I just love that. Uh, but uh, it's not about the change of government. It's got to be a change of direction from every single corner and fabric of our society and our financial base, whatever that is. And it has to be intergenerational too because oh. this three-year electoral cycle is the death of us. Yes. Let's talk about a couple of personalities, uh, if I can. Sure. Uh, I, I'm really pleased to see Cameron Brewer win North Harbour, uh, yeah. that seat out there. A really good bloke. You'd know Cam, wouldn't you? Well, I've got a photo that I, I got off Dad uh, the other day, which is a picture of you and Cameron Brewer and and uh, him, him, you know, walking just after you'd uh, won the Auckland mayoralty. So that, that's how long we've known each other. You know, I've known you since I was in shorts. And uh, you lived in you lived in Papatoi Yeah. It goes back a long right? way back. No, Manurewa it was. Manurewa. <laughs> and they, they don't call it Manurewa now. Uh, the colloquialism is Rewa. Yeah. So that's what the police call it, Rewa. It's yeah. a very dangerous part of Auckland. Yeah, and that, that's where I was brought up. So, yeah, I don't think it's that dangerous. But, you know, it's changed <laughs> now. But, but but yeah, I, I mean, Dad tells me about the time when you came and knocked on his door and, and – you know, you affectionately call him Johnny, and he calls you Johnny. Um, you know, it's kind of cute to watch a couple of old old geezers talk, call each other Johnny. <laughs> you know. Well, I'll tell you about this old geezer. This old geezer is still working six days a week, and yeah. I've religiously paid tax. I'm still a patriot. I have a lot of hope for this country, uh, and I'm still very supportive of people doing good things well. Yeah. And I'm also very, very supportive of the underdog and someone who isn't a genuine underdog and needs a helping hand. I'm very supportive of those people. I, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic, but while I need to say to the government yet formed, listening to this broadcast today, it's got to be a 180 degree turn uh, for the better to march march backwards to march forward. Uh, it can't be business as usual. And we've got to get to the root of the problems, and that is the elites within the civil service and the marification of everything New Zealand and the degradation of us old white people. We've, we've, got, to, we've got to stop division in society. We've got to bring everybody with us, uh, the least amongst us, uh, and we have to act with compassion. But we also have to be stern as well where we need to be stern because that is the compassionate way to actually address some of the societal ills that, that are besetting us that are leading to the increased crime 
and the fearfulness that Kiwis have. And we, we never used to be fearful, you know, living in New Zealand. We didn't lock our doors. We didn't have to protect ourselves with alarms and all of those sorts of things. Something's gone dreadfully wrong. And I think it is the creeping socialism over the years that has taught people, brainwashed people into thinking that the state is the answer for everything. And the state isn't the answer for everything. And uh, we need to build that resilience back into our country of self-sufficiency, a can-do attitude, uh, and a willingness to do the hard things first rather than put them off for later. I couldn't agree more, Well, And, you know, we're, we're going to give this government our support. And, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I want to see this country paying its way. I want to see this country a proud place that we call New Zealand, the home uh, where so many great soldiers lost their lives uh, for freedom and democracy. I, I want to see uh, uh, with pride uh, in our education system that works for everyone and gives jobs for all. And um, I, I just want to see us doing better and taking individual accountability and responsibility for our own actions and saying no to crime, uh, no to gangsters, uh, no to criminals, uh, no to big borrowing, no to big spending, no to big noting, no to big government, uh, and, uh, you know, get on and uh, carve our place in this world where we've uncarved it so successfully and isolated ourselves so dramatically. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. You know, we we have the potential to be the best little country in the world. And unfortunately, over the last six years in particular, but perhaps over the last 30 years, we've degraded our own abilities to such an extent where being the best little country in the world seems like a struggle when it shouldn't be. We are blessed with natural resources in people and on the earth and in the land and yet we're struggling, and that is a travesty that needs to be reversed. And I agree with you 100% well, well, on that. Well, what we need from our parliamentarians uh, in the government and in the government caucus is um, a sense of purpose and direction, a clear mandate they have, a clear way forward has never been clearer because we've come out of the mist, and they've got to be resolute, and they've got to be brave, and they've got to do the right thing and do things right. And they'll stay around for a long time and save this country, Wales. So good luck to Lux, uh, good luck to Seymour, and good luck to Winston. And by the way, Seymour is the outstanding parliamentarian of the last 10 years. Yeah, but he, he had some missteps in the election. He focused too much on Winston Peters and it cost him, you know, and let that be a of lesson course. to him. And I hope he learns that lesson. Of course, he's got a lot of lessons to learn, but he worked harder than anyone else. He's smarter than anyone else. His politics are purer than anyone else. He does have his faults. I've known him since a kid of 12. He worked yep. for me in my office as a speechwriter, as you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he's a good lad and good on him and Brooke Van Velden. And um, we'll give Winston Peters all the support and encouragement he needs uh, to do a good job for this country. Hey, because... Well, it's got to be beyond these jokers. It's got to be about the future of the country and the kids yet born, isn't it? Absolutely, it has to be. And and that's the I'll problem that you, we've I'll, had. Well, I'll leave you with that. Uh, love talking to you and uh, best Fantastic to have you on, and, and we'll have to get you on again sometime, Banksy. A real pleasure. Enjoyed talking to you. My gosh, I got a bit teary there. 
but Banksy really touched my heart that day in the hospice, doing something he didn't have to, giving my mother a gift she could never repay, a touching final gift from him to her. And that's why I'll die in a ditch for him. Tell me your thoughts on what Banksy had to say by emailing inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy right here on RCR.